Hey, Adam. Yes, Mike. I am not announcing my retirement again. That is <laughs> that is good because if you were, something may pop up where a great opportunity uh, availed itself and you had to do one more show after your retirement. Can you imagine such a thing? Can you imagine such a thing? And, you know, there are plenty of people, I got to be honest, that I would like to see have one more match after their retirement. I got to be honest, we reached a point with Terry Funk where I didn't want to see that. And with some other people, oh, I don't know, Great Muda didn't necessarily need to see it go on for that long either, although the finale was certainly, certainly something else. But Himika retiring now Harada retiring this is this, this is no good I don't need to have any more surprise retirements pop up on the Japanese wrestling scene or anywhere else for that matter yes yes I, I very much agree uh as we record this some breaking news though that while while Jamaica's retirement officially uh, her retirement match will take place as uh as we've talked about on recent episodes uh, against Micah at the Big Stardom show on April 23rd, they had been searching for a way, uh, Jamaica had been searching for a way to work with her initial home promotion, Wave, before she retired. They were not able to come up with anything prior to her retirement match. So there will be a special Jamaica retirement spinoff show five days after her retirement match against Meka. Uh, This will be in Pro Wrestling Wave. It is... Uh, the way it's being described as the matches will be determined by Pro Wrestling Wave, but the show is being um, produced by, and I guess that probably means more from a money perspective than anything else, Bushi Road Fight. Well, that's just too bad for you, Harada. Nature not on your side. One of you two actually retired by choice, and that would be Hamika. I see. I keep saying I know. I keep saying him because of Micah. It was Micah and Himika, and that's the way I said it over and over again for so long. Now she's going into retirement. I still have not said her name correctly. Poor Jumbo Princess. But good for her, I guess, good for them that they're able to pull this off. Why it could not have been figured out ahead of time, I don't know. But does it really matter at the end of the day? No. It's going to bring attention to Wave, and it's going to be a nice go home and goodbye for her there so yay i guess all the way across the board for everybody that got it set up yeah and honestly as uh we talked about on last week's show you know it, it is what it is she's retiring at the age she is which is you know from a purely a pro wrestling standpoint it's disappointing um and i certainly am not going to complain about getting to see you know one more match than we expected from her uh, especially given how good almost every match she's been in whether it be you know on major shows, we talked about the match, uh, or I guess we'll talk about it, the match against Chihiro Hashimoto at the recent Sardom pay-per-view that took place uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend prior. Uh, the match that she had against Natsupoi at the Cork and Hall show a couple days ago. Uh, the tag team match with Jamaica and Micah against Natsupoi and Tam Nakano uh, that just took place on the 11th and went up a couple hours ago on Stardom World. Uh, so yeah, it's it's bittersweet to see her leaving, to see her retiring. We talked about on last week's show how, uh, you know, it seemed like she was at peace with it. Um, you know, there's also the reports that, you know, online harassment may have at least played a part in her wanting to end her career early, which if that's the case, that's 
horrible and disgusting, particularly also in light of uh, Riho deleting and deactivating her Twitter account after online harassment following uh, her match last week on Rampage, which you should mention, Mike. Big ratings for Rampage with the Riho main event. Are you surprised? <laughs> but yeah. <it's, laughs> well, uh, anytime there's any rating at all for Rampage, I got to be honest, I'm a little bit surprised. But when it comes to Riho and any reaction she gets from AEW fans, it doesn't surprise me at all. One of the most popular pieces of the puzzle that they have. Yeah, the uh, the AEW Rey Mysterio, as I, I think we uh, <laughs> we kind of talked about uh, we talked about last week. But yeah, it's it's a bummer to see Hameka retiring. I'm excited to see and you know you just look at some of the other matches she has coming up uh, towards the end of the retirement road. The singles match with Mina Shirakawa, uh, another singles match with uh, with Ami Sore. Uh, they made after that match that we talked about or just mentioned on the 11th, uh, just a couple days ago. They made Hameka and Micah against the reunion of Ali Kaba, Julia, and Shuri one night only. Uh, that taking place at Korokin on April 14th, the same night that Azumi will defend against Saki Kashima for the high-speed title. So there you go, a little bit of a stardom news update to start off the show. Now, since the last time we've done a show, there have been more than just Hameka retirement news going on there was the triangle derby finals and i know a lot of you are saying but mike we heard you talk about it with filthy tom lawler on wrestling observer live and that was enough no it is not enough we're going to talk about it a little bit right now it's never enough no it is not and then also uh the the show from gorkin on the 10th we can get into a little bit uh about that as well yeah definitely and we don't have to spend a ton of time on the undercard of the uh uh, the stardom pay-per-view, particularly, you know, given that you and Filthy Tom talked about it uh, already. I mean, the, the most noteworthy thing on the undercard were the two semifinal matches, uh, which were both very good. I wouldn't say they were, you know, must-see, but Shuri, Mirai, and Amisori defeating Meltier plus Saki. Uh, and then, uh, in somewhat of a surprise, Risa Sara, Suzu Suzuki, and Kurumi Haragi defeating Nanai Takahashi, Yu, and Yuna Mizumori to make the final I only say that because I know, you know we've talked about in the past a lot of times in these tournaments, whether it be stardom or elsewhere, you have the champions make the semifinal or maybe the final, but you don't expect the champions to actually win the final of the tournament, do you? Not usually, no. And I, I brought it up on Observer Live when we were talking about it. We were kind of looking at it through the prism of Meltier and them getting that title shot and we were looking at it through seven up and, and them being the outsiders in this and, and the Neo stardom army being the outsiders that would advance. And we, I think probably both in our hearts wanted to see prominence advance and go and win the finals. But I think we were both looking at it from the opposite point of view. So I was surprised when it ended up happening when they won it was like oh okay what about this here and then they go and they make the declaration that we're also going to go ahead and defend the titles as well too in the final and then it all kind of made sense so it really again because of how i was looking at it i was pleasantly surprised but i thought everything went really smoothly on a night where suri was very busy was she not yeah yeah, there are a lot of different th- uh, different things going on between two matches, uh, uh, a post-match situation. 
a lot going on. But yeah, to your point, when uh, uh, when Prominence won their semifinal match and it was, uh, it was clear they'd be going to the final, when they issued the challenge to uh, to Shuri, Mariah, and Amisori for it to be uh, not only the tournament final, but also an Artist of Stardom trios, six-man, six-woman, whatever you want to call it, championship match, I thought, well, okay, here we go. Shuri, Mariah, and Amisare are going to win. They're going to win their first uh, titles as a God's Eye unit of any kind, but uh, that did not happen. Uh, I guess we'll, we can talk about that main event before the three matches prior because it was it was good. It was very good. Uh, particularly, I thought the stuff between Suzu, Suzuki, and Mirai was awesome, and I, I'm oh, desperate yes. to see yes. desperate to see one of one of those two holding a major singles championship and stardom. So we can get a big singles rematch because that was like file that in the stardom dream matches that they have so many that you don't think about until you see them in the ring in a tag match against each other. Uh, that was that Suzuki uh, winning, getting the pin on Mariah with the locomotion German suplex uh, to not only win the tournament, but retain the trios, uh, the artists of stardom tag titles. Um Good stuff, but man, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what you have to say about that because those three matches prior to it, that's as good as you're going to get. Really, the four matches prior to it, that's as good as you're going to get on a pay-per-view and completely different matches each and every one of them. Yeah, you know, not every pay-per-view can be Starcade. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, so you have a pay-per-view with a bunch of title defenses and, okay, what are you going to do? Because it in most cases doesn't look like the result is really going to be in doubt. So what do you do to make things kind of different here? And again, we talked about what they ended up doing and then the addition of the title match at the end of the triangle derby. So that was nice. Julia and Maya Yuki before that, you, you know, I don't know if they, and you'll, Somebody will let us know, or you can let me know, if they have driven home the point that Julia's had a relationship with Maya now, going back through the Ice Ribbon days, and she has teamed with her, she has been her opponent, and what the bottom line is, is Julia cannot defeat her. She has still not beaten her yet. They go to a double count out here, and I know there were people that were surprised about that. I saw a reaction about that from some people, and it was like, okay... You can tell the stardom fans as opposed to people who are really way deep into things yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I don't the know Lord. if they actually made that because I didn't see it on the stardom uh, uh, Twitter or anything like that if they actually drove that point home. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a really good point you make as far as like the difference between people who have you know only followed stardom or have only recently followed stardom versus people who are, are familiar with the long running relationship why, why I pop for Chihiro Hashimoto and why Sari coming back is like in a fun thing. You know, the, those yes. people, that's who we're talking to. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and the given the the politics, and I don't even necessarily at this point mean interpromotional, but the interpersonal politics between at this point in 2023, having Julia and Maya Yukihi wrestle in <laughs> stardom for the World of Stardom Championship, you had to figure that some variation of a finish like this was going to be what they were going to have to do in that I don't see any scenario right now where Maya Yukihi is like, yeah, I'll lose to Julia. <laughs> and I don't see any scenario where Julia is like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll lose the World of Stardom title uh, to Yukihi. And so what they did was 
dare I say, the most satisfying double countout match I've ever seen in my life. Uh, just under 18 minutes, and they murdered each other. Like we talk about, you know, two wrestlers they just they went out there and they killed each other. They did their best to almost do exactly that in this match. The headbutts, some of the table shots, that pile driver through the table. Oh, um, the, God. The, oh, God. Oh, the God. Edge, the edge of table spot that happened. Uh, man, this was as brutally violent as anything uh, you know that I've seen in, in the last few years that didn't involve, you know, light tubes and gusset plates and all that stuff. <laughs> this was a, a war. It, it left you desperately wanting to see a rematch between these two. That's not the direction they're going. As we saw Tam Nakano come out and challenge Julia afterward. And that will be one of the main events on April 23rd. I guess we should have also uh, seen that coming Mike, as far as the reports that Dave had in the newsletter about Tam Nakano being the next challenger for Julia, that once that was in the works, uh, our fantasy booked idea of everything leading to seven up, dropping the tag titles back to Meltier uh, at, uh, at the big April 23rd show, uh, that wasn't going to be possible. Kind of goes out the window there, doesn't it? And Hey, look at that for Julia. That's two title defenses down very quick. <laughs> you know, we're going to have more of them. And that's how you do them and, and have, you know, them be successful and not have anything happen. And you build up a total. That's the perfect way to do it. I think when people know the context of what's gone on between the two and obviously Julia, you know, running Yuki down for if you didn't need to come to stardom to be a star, what are you doing here? And again, it leaves the door open, you know, for something down the line, which is really good as well, too. So, you know, that was a W. Azumi and Starlight Kid, I mean, what can you really say? I didn't think that there was, you know, uh, any doubt that Azumi would get the victory. But again, they're great with each other. Uh, Azumi's a star. Starlight Kid is a star. So I, I don't know what you can add to that. You know, the one thing I'll just throw in before you do, Saya Kamatani and Hazuki, I thought... This was as good of a match as you can get with Kamatani. I'm surprised people loved it as much as they did, but I thought you could definitely argue it was the best match on the card. And to me, it was one of the best that Kamatani has looked. And I think it's one of the reasons is because I think Hazuki is really good. I'm glad that she's back. And I think her holding that title at some point down the line or her holding any title, singles title again down the line, I think is, you know, certainly in the cards. Yeah, no, and I think it's appropriate to talk about those two matches back to back. I am with all the people that you uh, that you referenced. I thought this was the best match of the night, that being Saya Kamatani against Suzuki. Um, I, for my money, this was the best match in stardom through the first, uh, you know, two plus months of the year. And to me, it's, yeah, like right now, clearly the race is what's the best match of 2023 after uh, Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay, because I don't know what's going to get to that level other than those two guys wrestling each other again. Um, but to me, this match is very much in the running for next best match in 2023. I think it was one of the best matches, maybe the best match of Saya Kamatani's career. And I think to your point, as good as she is, largely that's due to Hazuki, who... Like, if I'm going just sheer volume when you look at big matches and then 
the number of matches that stardom, just the number of shows they do, and therefore the number of matches you're wrestling on a on a week in week out basis. To me, she might be my wrestler of the year for 2023 so far. I, as the match was going on, you sort of allowed yourself to think she had a chance to win, and she kicked out of a ton. But man, like at some point, they need to pull the trigger on her because not only is she great, great, great in ring. The fans, much like we talked about at that last pay-per-view, which was the first one uh, where, uh, you know, there were cheering crowds allowed in stardom, uh, you know, since the pandemic, the fans are behind her. She's clearly one of the most popular wrestlers in the company right now. And I hope we see in the next year or two, uh, you know, her push catch up to both her ability and, uh, you know, the standing that she seems to have with the fans. Because this was great. Uh, Azumi versus Starlight Kid, to me, it was almost as good as Kai, uh, as Saya Kamatani and Hizuki. It was right, right there. I think if you had flipped the two matches in match order, maybe everybody would be saying the same thing about Azumi and Starlight Kid that they were saying about Kamatani and Hizuki. It was, it was an interesting match in that the finish was similar to their uh, their high speed title match they had last year. Uh, where Azumi worked over the arm and got the uh, you know got the submission um, uh, you know, with the arm, it started similarly with the high speed sequences, but it didn't necessarily have as much breakneck pace in the middle. That didn't hurt it at all. It, it was kind of cool to see them go 17 minutes and have you know a bit more up and down as far as the pacing, but just a fantastic match on like we said uh, an incredible three match run of title matches that were all dramatically different and all reached a really, really high level. That's why it was well-booked, because it knew its place on the card and was laid out appropriately. It really was, and I thought that was it was very good. And, you know, the the last... Well, obviously, you had the semifinals as well, too, but then you had those last five matches, and they started with Chihiro Hashimoto and Himeka and... This was just, again, sad because Ameka's leaving because you'd like to see more matches like this. Chihiro Hashimoto is so good. And when she wants to slam you, she can. And when it came time for the end, she did. You know, but when she is just such a fire plug of a woman that, again, her ability to pick you up and back suplex so many, and I... Oh, God, I'm sorry. It's just because I have a neck thing, too. And so many of these women are so small. And you know, they did go through amateur training, but they're not amateur wrestlers. So they don't, you know, necessarily have that neck strength where Hashimoto, they, they some of them go over so quick, it scares me when they're in their bridges and when they land so hard, especially late in matches. You know, I worry about that for everybody, you know, to be honest. But Hashimoto is so good at laying everybody down because... She's a great amateur wrestler. She was a fantastic amateur wrestler. She's a great pro, and she's got such strength and knows how to distribute it. And I thought, again, this is just one of those matches that I wish I could see more of, frankly. And and would love to see, you know, Micah the the same way, mix it up with Hashimoto more. I I don't know what the future is going to be, but I really like Hashimoto just existing inside this company. Yeah, no, I'm with you. This was... It was just a great nine minutes that left you wanting, you know, a big 15, 20 minute, uh, you know, major championship match, whether it be, uh, you know, in in Sendai or for stardom, you know, that that we're not going to get. But what we did get here was 
It was fantastic. Again, it follows that that tradition of what we've seen so far on Jamaica's retirement road, where it's like we're getting her in all the matches and in all the situations that we would have hoped we would have gotten her in if she had stuck around for another five years, which I guess is it's great. This, but again, this it's is also... like the booking video game thing of like, okay, yes. what matches have we not had yet? Okay, give get the hardcore match. We have the mixed tag. We got you're down the line. Actually, we don't have a mixed tag. I just I said that. Filthy Tom, where are you? Filthy Tom and Suri against, let's see, who should be Jamaica's partner? It's hmm. a very good that's a very good question. God, who would actually we'll think about that before the end of the show. We'll come up with somebody uh who who can be Tom's partner. Frankly, man, could, could we nah, never mind. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about this w- with you all. Let's do some interpromotional. But... Let's get New Japan strong champion Kenta teaming with Jamaica. No. Against Filthy Tom and uh, Sherry. Well, no, we can't have Kenta in there. That's too Bullet Clubby or something like that. No, we need to have somebody else in there. I, I don't know. Maybe you can <laughs> Kratos. I just I I know they're they're associated together, but Kratos just standing there next to uh, Jamaica would make me laugh immensely. So give me that Jumbo and Jumbo. <laughs> There you go. So yeah, this was a, it was a very, very good show. Again, just under 2000 fans, Yogi National Stadium, gymnasium number two. As far as the visual look of the show, I'm torn because it looked great in the sense that they had, you know, they brought in a lighting rig and they had all like the laser lights <laughs> and they had the big board and everything. But we've talked about the best shows from a crowd response perspective and just visually since cheering has opened back up in Japan have been you know, the, the Takataichi, Despi, Mania, you know, whatever combination of that there is shows at the same building where it's just the house lights up and you can see the cool ceiling and you can see all the fans. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know. I almost would have liked to see that more uh, than them going to the uh, all the trouble of having the nice lighting. I get it, though. It makes sense. Um, and then that all led into, like you said, uh, a big show at Corican Hall uh, that was headlined by a Tag team title match. We had a big singles match in Jamaica's retirement road. We had a future of stardom title match as well. Uh, and as far as Cork and Hall shows for stardom go, because largely outside of tournament shows, they aren't as big as they were, you know, a couple years ago, um, you know, before stardom started running major shows at major arenas. I thought this was one of the better Cork and stardom shows that they've had in quite a while. Uh, you know, some good stuff throughout that tag title match, which I know you watched as well, to me, it was a lot of things. But more than anything, it was Ruaka's coming out party. I thought she had a great performance. Yeah, you know, again, the you could tell that the light was shined a little bit more on her in this match. As, as, as again, as we spoke about Mirai and Suzu Suzuki last time around, you know, it was definitely, you know, the spotlight in the run to the end was definitely on her in the same way with Ruaka, especially with you going back and forth with each other. And I thought there were times, especially towards the end, where there was you – know, this was not Blanchard and Anderson against the Fantastics. You know what I'm saying? You know, there there was some little hesitations and things here and there, but I thought it was – I thought it was fun for what it was. I thought it was – and I just thought it was good for what it was. I like Nane Takahashi and you as a team. And as you mentioned, again, Ruaka – you know, certainly had the the shine between her and Tora on that team. And again, ultimately leading towards the end with her and you. 
Yeah, and I think it's it, it was kind of a hallmark of this show. We just everything we just talked about through Waka, and then also with Lady C challenging Ami Sore yeah. earlier on in the card for the future of Stardom title. It's something we talk about and we hammer home over and over and over again, but it's with good reason. Like when I look at Ruaka and I look at Lady C and where they are now versus where they were, you know, when they first started or even like over a year into their careers in another promotion where you either don't get the volume of matches, the sheer volume of matches, the sheer number of matches or the quality of opponents night in and night out, whether it be singles, tags, multi-person tags they might both still be not very good at all because they they were not good when they started and it took a while for them to become you know the type of wrestlers that could be an active participant in a good match but both of them here were active participants in strong matches they've gotten to the point to where uh, whether it be Ruaka in the tag with Natsuko Toro or or Lady C, you know, multi-person tags, or here in this, you know, relatively short singles match with Amisore, they're at worst totally fine and sometimes actively good in matches. And if you had seen them when they first started out or earlier in their careers, you just would have never thought that was possible. So when I yeah. see wrestlers like that doing what they're doing now, I think of other wrestlers in other promotions, whether it be wrestlers in AEW, um, you know, wrestlers in WWE or wrestlers in other, uh, you know, Joshi promotions that don't run as many shows at star as stardom. You just think of like, man, on the AEW side, like who knows, maybe a, you know, as kind of ridiculous as it sounds, maybe an Anna J or a Ty Conti could turn into a really, really good wrestler if they were in a promotion like stardom that was filled with great wrestlers and that you wrestled three, four, five times a weekend. Well, Jesus, just leave Anna J away from Julia because if she cracked her back, hitting the concrete, missing that table, I can imagine what Julia would do to her off the stage, threw some yeah. chairs onto the floor. So Good let's point. not think about that, but I will say, Boy, who's done a much better job at building stars and getting bringing people along, AEW or Stardom? And obviously, you have to grade that and level that, you know. But when you look at, I, obviously, I was, you know, well, obviously, for a lot of people listening, they have no idea. Like, I was more of a Saeeda person than Ruaka. I was more of a Saeeda person than Lady C. And I was really not bullish at all on Lady C, but, you know, Filthy brought this up when we were talking about Observer Live, and, and was, I, I know it, it came up, at least with him, that look at her teaming with DDM. Look at the whole lead-up to her teaming with Micah and Himeka in the Triangle Derby. And then what the spotlight, again, a lot about spotlights here, about how, you know, she was showcased in those matches and bringing people along and giving them credibility at a certain level. They're not, you know, again, not everybody can be at the top, and they're not doing that. Mina Shirakawa, and we're obviously going to get to this. You know, you talked about pulling the trigger on uh, on uh, brain lock here. On Hazuki. <laughs> on Hazuki, sorry. Pulling the trigger on Hazuki, and the only problem with that is we have a numbers game. And that's where she's probably just going to have to wait and bide her time because there's so many other people that are in the mix to do certain things, not the least of which now is pulling the trigger on Mina Shirakawa, not only giving her more credibility as it goes along, but now, I mean, 
is there anybody that doesn't believe that she's actually going to go ahead and win that title? She has to. She I mean, has again, to. I, exactly. I, I've I, I've gotten to the point where I'm not betting on anyone beating Saya Kamatani. And Adam, but, hold uh, on, and I'll stop you right there. And whether she wins or not, and then I'll let you go ahead. Whether she wins or not, the fact that look how she has developed. You know, somebody who was, if anybody was going to be the non-wrestling beauty queen type of, you know, candy of a group, it was Mina Shirakawa. That's what she started as. But then look at where she's come now from a wrestling point of view and a credibility point of view being built up in the fans' eyes. They've done a great job with that. So, again, it's really hard to bet against what they're doing right now. Well, one hundred percent. I mean, that that Shirakawa point you made is exactly where I was going. Everything we just talked about with Lady C and Raka, there's no better and higher example of that than what's happened with Mina Shirakawa over the past couple of years. You look at look at her, look at Natsupoi, and look at Mirai. All three of them were just in Tokyo Joshi Pro on shows with no chance of breaking through. You talk about glass ceilings, no chance of breaking through that glass ceiling of, uh, you know, of Yuka Sakazaki, Miyu Yamashita, Shoko Nakajima, that, that sort of glass ceiling of top, top wrestlers. They were just in Tokyo Joshi Pro. And now look at all of them, just a few years after they've been in stardom, all three of them, Mirai, Mina Shirakawa, uh, and Natsupoi, completely different wrestlers that are all legitimately credible top of card Mina Shirakawa is maybe the most surprising of all of them because we've talked about it ad nauseum. When she came in, she was okay. Then she became passable. Then she became actively good in tag team matches. Then she became someone who could have a good singles match against the right opponent. Now she is at a point where she's a legitimately great professional wrestler in all elements of the game. To me, she's one of the most well-rounded best wrestlers in the world right now. And I would 100% buy her holding one of the top two titles in stardom. And rounding back to one of the things that you were talking about as far as how people are getting this good, I think it's a point that we have to continue to hammer home or at least mention. We've talked about before that as important as you know the uh, all these tournaments are, whether the five-star Grand Prix or the Tag League or now the Triangle Derby, as important as they are in terms of like the matches themselves, building to bigger matches down the line, you know, who wins the tournaments, all that sort of thing. Another thing we've talked about, it's so evident with all of these wrestlers, is that the actual experience of being in these tournaments and having in a short span of time big matches against different opponents every single night. You talked about Lady C and the wrestlers that she's been paired with who wrestle a similar style or similar in size to her and how that can help her develop or Ruaka being in the tag tournament with Natsuko Tora and the surprisingly really good performance they had there or what we've seen from uh, from Mina Shirakawa over the past couple of years in singles tournaments like it's it, it, there's a real formula and in, in seemingly an intentionality behind what they're doing and then everyone that they're choosing to do this with is knocking it out of the park we see it all the time but like the batting average is almost perfect for stardom in putting either putting people in positions to succeed and then they do or putting people in just positions to see if they can get better and then they get significantly better. So I know a lot of times, Mike, this podcast sounds like we're, uh, you know, we're gushing over stardom we're in the tank for it, but there's a reason it's because they continue to do so many things right. And we saw that here on this Cork and Hall show, which, you know, 
again, you talk about pushes, opportunities, and how it culminates. What we have after the main event with Seven Up defeating Tora and and Ruaka. Uh, now it is uh, Amisore and Mirai making the challenge, looking like they're going to get the next tag title shot, and maybe they're the ones that take the titles off Seven Up, or you know maybe this reign continues, which I, I would not have been. Uh, hoping for maybe a couple months ago before it got started. But honestly, if they continue to hold the belts and make this reign go longer and bigger, I'm not going to be that upset. Plus, you know, when we're talking about stardom, I mean, they're the ones making the news right now. There is a little bit of stuff that comes out of of everywhere else. You know, we'll get to Sari in a minute and what, you know, what she could possibly be doing. But, you know, for the most part, Tokyo Joshi Pro, I mean, we had a title match not all that long ago, but that's really kind of been about it. You know, we had a, a wave title defense uh, with Hokaru Shida made her defense, and that's kind of been about it. So, you know, you talked about the people that came over from TJP, and again, everybody is different, but right now, I mean, obviously there's no comparison between the two as far as what the companies are doing right now and how they're projecting out to the public. But, uh, you know, I, I still think that once we get, and I could be wrong about this at some point, I assume we're going to have Americans and foreigners flooding over. And when we do, I'll be interested to see who benefits more from that. If it's TJP short term, or if it ends up being, and I'm not talking about one or two people, I'm talking about, you know, several coming over or if it actually ultimately ends up being stardom. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely seen more so far in Tokyo Joshi Pro, yeah. uh, you know, than we have as of yet um, in uh, in Stardom. But I, I certainly think, particularly look at some of the X's coming up, that will will have more foreigners um, coming in Tokyo Joshi or coming into Stardom. It's also, as a side note, interesting that uh, as we're recording this, the news just broke of a an impact, uh, whatever they call their women's division. Is it still the knockouts? Knockouts. Uh, Championship match at the New Japan versus Impact show uh, coming up WrestleMania weekend. It's a four-way. There's a wrestler from Japan in that match, but it's not someone from stardom. It's Miyu Yamashita of Tokyo Joshi Pro, which I didn't necessarily see coming. I mean, obviously. She's there that weekend. Yeah, she's there (laughs) that weekend. It's just, it's, it's one of those, I guess, instructional things in terms of what walls are or aren't up. Um, you know, in terms of utilizing someone from outside of stardom on a at least partially New Japan promoted show uh, in the States. I thought that was, you know, well, and let's that see what the hell Richard Schaefer is going to do it, with this deal with me. You know, the former Golden Boy head, they've obviously they're doing something at Anthem where either they're going to pour more money into it or they're 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 seemingly making a move for a reason. They've promoted You're talking the corporate more. restructure that but was yeah, announced the, the restructure. Today. And it's like they again, they will they are constantly throwing whether you say it's they're throwing good money after bad they have no problem throwing it at it and that multiverse show you know they are basically that is new japan show you know they are I'm, i know impacts names on it you know it was at the forefront but i mean they are seeding that to new japan with those matches that they have on there not the least of which is that absolutely bizarre eight man with filthy being involved and J.R. Kratos being involved as well, too. Maybe they can sing along with Joe Hendry. <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely felt almost like the, uh, like the randomizer is responsible for that. Yes, but yeah, Will Ospreay and Mike Bailey though is, is, oh. you know, bananas again. 
And Josh Alexander against Kushida. Like, oh, that God, should be yeah. one of the sleeper shows of that weekend. Uh, quickly back to stardom in terms of matches of note that they've got coming up just in a few days. Julia versus Jamaica is part of the retirement road. Uh, then coming up, uh, Kyoto KBS Hall on the 19th. Julia and Jamaica against Tam Nakano and Natsupoy. Uh, we then have, as far as bigger shows coming up, there's the New Blood Premium, which I believe is a pay-per-view uh, on March 25th. Uh, which has uh, Kairi and Nanayath Takahashi teaming to take on Tam Nakano and Waka Tsukiyama. That is the long-running story of Waka needing to win a match by the deadline of March 25th or leave uh, the Cosmic Angels group. She leveled it up and said not only will she leave Cosmic Angels, she will leave stardom entirely if she does not win here. So uh, we'll see. I mean, it's... Can't imagine her beating the Nai Takahashi or Kairi. And she's also not booked on any of the lineups after this show. So they're either going to have her, uh, you know, they're either working real hard to pull a swerve and she's going to somehow beat Nanai Takahashi and Kairi, or, you know, maybe this is uh, this is it for her. But there's some other good stuff on that show. Uh, we've got the debuts of the three newest uh, trainees that have been announced, uh, at least. There's still uh, another... A uh, group of four more trainees coming after that. So we've got seven people starting in short order in stardom. Uh, then we also have Shuri uh, in the continued, somewhat interrupted trial series for Miyu Amasaki. They take uh, they take each other on. And then the semifinals and finals of the New Blood Tag Team title tournament with Starlight Kid and Karma. That's the Haruka Umasaki alter ego taking on Mai Sakurai and Chan Yoda. And then on the other side, I think it's the Adam and Mike Big Audio Nightmare Invitational Tag Team <laughs> of the Decade, as it's Mirai and Tomoka Inaba taking on Ami Sore and Nanami uh, in a God's Eye clash of sorts. That, to me, that's the real final of the tournament. Uh, but hopefully we get Mirai and Tomoka Inaba uh, against Starlight Kid and Karma in the final that would be fantastic. I'd be fine with that. I'm still trying to figure out who Wakasukiyama is going to defeat because she's beating somebody. She, I, To me, that's just good booking. That's why they haven't announced her or yeah. any shows afterwards. That's what I'd like to think, at least. And to be honest, if she defeated Kyrie with a flash pin, is that the end of the world? Oh, it's it's not. I mean, as long as Kyrie's willing to do it, I mean, it, I would imagine it'll be Takahashi if she beats someone. Well, which does, is so does hard she to have a tie with Takahashi? I mean, the tie is just what they've done over the past couple of months of like subtly, like you know, the passion injection stuff. And well, like, you yeah. know, you know, almost like it almost seems like what's going to happen is Waka Tsukiyama winning and then deciding to not stay in Cosmic Angels <laughs> yeah, that's, and yes. join up with the Nye and, uh, you know, and you and the rest of the uh, you know, sort of the, the, the Neo Army. I don't know. Uh, it, it's well, she was wave first. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, all I know is whenever they, one of the two. <laughs> when she finally gets that win, it's going to be like the crowds. Even on these smaller city shows, the crowds are so ready to pop for her finally getting her first win. So it's going to be, it's going to be a moment. She's done a great job of just being so frustrated and sad and heartbroken every time she loses, and you know, getting more and more angry and that coming out in her matches. So. Hopefully, hopefully that's what we see here, and then we see where she goes. You know, where she goes on from there. 
Like the only other stardom notes as far as things we haven't talked about yet, and I guess technically it's not stardom as of now, uh, but you know, you mentioned and we brought up Saray leaving um, leaving WWE. I guess there were no more golden amulets uh, to power her to the sun or whatever the hell that storyline was. And so she's coming back to Japan. There's a press conference. I guess it would have been yesterday as we record this where it sounds like the the official thing is her coming back and having a, a sorryism, uh, you know, sorry produced show in May uh, to uh, to officially come back. But with some of the things that are floating out there and whoever Kyrie's mystery person is that she's bringing into uh, Cork and Hall on April 2nd, I don't know. I wouldn't fall over surprise if this is another one of those person leaves their promotion, says they're going freelance, and then boom, they end up showing up in one of the major promotions full time. I don't know. I'm just getting big Taiji Ishimori. Oh, I'm going freelance. Oh, wait, no, I'm going to be in New Japan for the next five years. Well, Jiro Hashimoto's there, right? You yeah. know, and that's who she's most tied in with for the most part. So I, she can be, look, she, she's always been a freelancer, you know, linked with Sendai first. Her coming back and doing the exact same thing that she's done before, yeah, she she's not going to be stardom, you know, in name, but she'll probably be there and do a bunch of shows because why not? <laughs> you know, yeah, and you don't have sense. to. You don't have to. So I think if anything, with the first couple of months uh, of the year of showing in stardom, or I guess maybe the last four or five months is whether you're a Chihiro Hashimoto or a uh, Suzu Suzuki or a Maya Yukihi. You can work in stardom in a prominent fashion and not be signed full time. Yeah, so, four or six you know. matches, absolutely. You know, strung out over time that makes sense, and you're dropped in there, absolutely. You know, if you but, don't have any championship aspirations, or your only championship aspiration is to go to a double count out or lose to Julia, okay, cool. You're gonna have a spot here, and if not, we can work you in some way up and down the line because. Look how many people they have where you can do that, where you, and again, size wise, there's just, there's so many, again, there's, there's a lot of advantages. I was always a big fan of hers anyway. And so I'm happy she's going to be coming back to Japan because what, what, what else was she going to do? You know, she was probably better off going over to the UK and staying there. They, we saw what they did when they, when 2.0 happened and Vince and Pritchard and all them took over. And then after that, it just, it was what it was. All I know is that I want the match that we didn't get. That was going to happen right before the pandemic and right before sorry left. I want Mayu Iwatani and sorry, damn it. We are going to have mm. that a Corican. It got called off Instead, we did get an awesome Mayu Iwatani Takumi Aroha match, which led to a yeah. really good rematch between them as well. But I want that. Sorry. Uh, Mayu Iwatani match. The only other Joshi note that I just want to throw out there because we're, it's not even a note other than in my brain, Mike, which means it's probably not a good thing. Um, but we were talking about Tokyo Joshi Pro and the people, whether it be, uh, you know, Mina Shirakawa or Natsupoi um, or Mirai that left. My wish list for 2023 or maybe going into 2024, I want to see Hikari Noah go freelance maybe hook up with prominence and and also do some stardom stuff. She's so good. She's such a unique look, a unique wrestler, and she's just in Tokyo Joshi Pro, just kind of being there. 
kind of in that same realm that the other three that we talked about were. I think she could be a big star somewhere else. Look at you, the Tony Khan of Noah. You're just going to put nine, <laughs> or Noah of stardom, you're putting nine million people on that roster. Hey, that would only be like one more than's already on there. But <laughs> unlike unlike AEW, I, like, I don't watch stardom shows and feel like, oh man, there's all these people and they're not getting highlighted. I feel like they're they're doing really a shockingly good job when you think of all the people that are on the roster and then all the people uh, you know, that filter in and out, whether it be through these tournaments or through New Blood or through other big shows. So that's yes. that's all I got on the stardom slash Joshi front. There is, I guess you could call it another big thing, a tournament going on in Japan right now. It, it kind of exactly as we said on the on the last show, though, the first few rounds, there's not been much to write home about uh, about the New Japan Cup. It, it was going to be the quarterfinals or so when things are going to start to get interesting. And I feel like for the most part, outside of a few matches here or there, that's kind of where we are right now. Yeah. Um, boy, uh, it's, it's not really too exciting right now. I don't know I if you want to get into more of the futures aspect of it because the matches have been solid. You know, they're like, you know, Tamatanga, Aaron Hanare, was a was a really nice match. It was a good match, but it wasn't anything to write home about. If you missed it, you didn't really miss a whole lot. Same thing with with Goto and Fletcher, and you know there was today's show, which was a little bit better with Osprey on it and everything. But I mean, it, it's just been it. Everything has been either solid or good, but nothing has really stood out. At least, am I forgetting anything early on? I, I don't think I am. I mean, I would say, I would say of tournament matches, if I'm looking at tournament matches, I thought Sonata and Taichi was great, but I'm in the tank for both of those guys. That was good, yeah. Hanari and Shingo was really, really good as well. Uh, with Hanari getting, you know, the biggest win of his career. You could say the match against uh, Tanahashi, but that was sort of more of a one-off. Kind of felt like a fluke, whereas uh, Shingo has been Hanari's wall pretty much since he started. Uh, in the company, or at least since Shingo came in. So him finally getting the win over Shingo, that was very good. And that was, by the way, a good theme of upsets that night with Fletcher getting the win over Yoshihashi as well, too, which, again, is a you know a backdoor as well you know with the yeah. tag titles. For sure. And that's also Fletcher versus Yoshihashi is one of the few matches that actually was right size as far as match length because – you look at some of these matches, and I got I got too excited and jumped in. I apologize for that. Maybe it's the negative, the opposite of being excited. But I am not convinced, particularly given that these are all no time limit matches in the tournament, I am not convinced that Sonata versus Kenta has actually ended. That was horrible. It was, well, o- overbooked is a nice way to put it, sort of. Oh, my God. Yeah, overbooked and... It, it, that Poor was Sonata. A, he got his ass kicked, too. Oh, it was a 14-minute match that went 29 minutes and two sec- or 12 seconds, which, again, there aren't 30-minute time limits, so I don't know why we're trying to bump up against the time limits here. It was horrendous. All the ref bumps, um, just, I mean, the, the evil match uh, w- with evil uh, defeating Jeff Cobb today was... Not very good either, but that was just to be expected. With Kenta, yes, you get ref bumps sometimes and you get the, the corner things, but man, it didn't this stop. Was just, 
It didn't stop. He Whoa. hit the ref, then he gets a chair, and he then he hits him over the head, but he doesn't get the pin. And then it's just it was one thing after another. Sonata, but you know, he survives the cross face, which was awesome when you know Kenta's face when he hulked up and got the rope. But then that kept going, and we got the title belt, and we got this and that. Holy crap! It took a long time, folks. It was there was no need for it to take as long. Uh, to get to the eventual endpoint that it did, which was Sonata hitting his new modified version of a DDT, which he used to win in the first round as well. Oh, they uh, were excited I, to call that too. You can tell it was a new thing they're trying to get over, aren't you? <laughs> they don't even have a name for it yet. DDT! <laughs> it is cool though, and I am. Roll of the dice curious. DDT? What's that? Roll of the dice kind of DDT? Yeah, it is. Someone else has been using it lately as well, and I can't recall for the life of me who else's finisher it is or, or near finisher it is outside of New Japan. I'm sure someone will uh, listening will will bring that up, but I think it looks great. He has desperately needed something like that. He's got the TKO, but that's more of a setup move. Uh, the skull end, which we've talked about forever, it just doesn't look good. He's got the moonsault, but he's needed a high-impact finishing move and so he finally has it with this it's something you can hit quickly out of nowhere which complements the uh you know the the japanese rolling leg clutch hold okana roll whatever you want to call it so from that aspect i'm excited to see what we have going forward from sonata particularly with him taking on uh tetsuya naito in the next round but man i uh i don't know we don't need to be going 29 minutes for that type of match at all Absolutely not. No, 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 no. And I wish it would end with House of Torture. I wish it would end with the Bullet Club. I know it's not. It just is too much, too painful. And I know there are people saying, well, it works for X number of fans in Japan. And for them, I say, God bless. It does not work as well for this fan sitting in this chair right here. Either did Naito. Is it working that great when you look at some of the houses for these shows? Some of these shows I'm watching, there are a lot, Mm, a lot of empty seats. And I know the New Japan Cup isn't the G1. And, you know, you look at some of these shows and the main events, you know, aren't exactly the type of things that you think are going to pack buildings. But uh, it's not knocking them dead, as Dave would say. And I don't know, maybe you differ from me, but I am not feeling, uh, you know, Jet black dyed beard, uh, discount store, uh, Jay White bullet club leader in uh, in David Finlay. Oh, uh, discount give it store. time, Ouch. but I am not feeling it. Well, I'm not gonna call it discount store yet. I've got enough. Well, what is it? He's he's trying to be a little bit more mean version of Jay White with yeah. Gato. Well, here's the problem we have had. Finn Balor start this thing up, Prince Devitt. Then we got AJ Styles. Then we got who did we get after that? We got uh, Kenny Omega. Kenny, well, well, yeah, I guess we got, we got Kenny Omega after that, and then you know, I just <sighs> Juice Robinson, David Finley. I guess they're going to be two sides of the same coin. I guess. I guess Juice Robinson's going to carry the the banner over here. I guess with looked with like Ace it, I Austin. guess. With the, yeah, the I mean feud with, all, with the feud with uh, Ricky, Ricky Starks, Starks and AEW and Austin and Bay, you know, in Impact. I guess they. Ha- I just 
Where's LP? Um, well, it looks like they're doing the dissension thing. That's the one noteworthy thing, if you can call it that, on this undercard during this series is that they are going pretty hard. They're leaning pretty hard into dissension between David Finley and El Fantasmo. El Fantasmo, uh, you know, he's a Bullet Club guy, but he likes messing with the kids, but not like making them cry. And, you know, we got new hard-ass tough guy David Finlay with his jet black blear that just wants to beat people up, and he doesn't like LP. Is the answer that they just turn on all the native Japanese and it becomes the douchebag outsiders as some sort of new spin that you can put on things? Because if you have them splitting Bullet Club which, you know, they can operate, you know, against each other, but on the same side against other people in New Japan. I mean, they've done that forever. I mean, if they do that, then where's House of Torture fit into that? Are they a third part of that triangle, or are they completely split split off? Yeah, hopefully they just split off and fall into the sea. <laughs> it's just, I, I don't know. I'm not bullish on any of it. I see them, you know, putting new coats of paint on things. I like Finley, so okay, cool. Let's see what happens. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I'm... I'm not, I, I'm I not you know, thinking it's going to be a great thing. And again, it's not anything really about Finley as a person or anything like that or about his potential, but I don't know if they're showcasing it well enough. Is he, after all those names we just mentioned, after Jay White, after Kenny Omega, after AJ Styles, after Prince Devitt, is that fair? You know, especially if you have LP standing right there who fits that mold much, much better. I don't know. I don't know. Again, I will have to see where they go, but yee, on the surface, I'm not sure if this is the best for Finley. It's just to me, it's it's a different side of the same coin of what we've seen with Tamatonga since he left Bullet Club and he's you know he's on the New Japan Home Team and you know he, he got his title shot last year and it's just guys that have been around for so long at a certain level that just when you see them there, instead of thinking, Oh, it's Tamatanga or, Oh, it's David Finley. And they've gotten to this next level instead. And it's not fair to them, but it's just the perception. When you watch, it just feels like the field, the pack has come down to their level instead of them getting up to the next level. Um, you know, I, when I'm looking at these brackets, you know, I, I'm thinking maybe we're going to have a Sonata Finley final for the New Japan Cup or a Naito Finley final for the New Japan Cup. You know, I uh, I mean, neither of those things make me overly excited, but they are going in so hard on David Finley that I would almost be surprised if he doesn't come out of this winning the whole deal. You know, I I, I could see a scenario where, you know, Finley beats Zack Sabre Jr. Um, here, you know, as we go through the tournament, because I think ZSJ will beat Shota Umino. I think, I guess unless Shota Umino makes it through, I guess your other argument could be you end up with Shota Umino uh, against Naito in the final, but this time Umino wins and then goes on to win. But either way, I think we're looking at Shota Umino or David Finlay coming out of this tournament challenging uh, Kazuchika Okada for the IWGP world title at Sakura Genesis. Yeah, I can't remember if Brian and I talked about this on the air or off the air today on Observer Live. He's kind of leaning towards wanting Finley to get the victory 
because if you are going to do something new with him, like, and they're going to, the person's probably going to go on to lose an IWGP title match, you know, Finley would be a good person for that. I see Finley and Zack Sabre Jr. because it's two guys who are now leading. You have a new guy, quote unquote, leading an old faction. And you got an old guy leading a new faction. And I think that's probably, that's what I'm saying it's going to come down to on that side. Um, when it comes to, when it comes to Goto, you know, Goto making it to be the guy that loses in the semifinal, even though Tonga, you know, it would make more sense in some ways for Tonga there. But but realistically, with Goto, it's like, well, okay, you know, whoever beats him beats Mr. New Japan Cup, you know, so they get that. Sonata, I think, should get the victory over Naito. And that's whether they are doing something different with Sonata, which he could be. He's got the new finishing move. And, hey, we always say it, now's the time if you're going to do something with Sonata. So he could beat Naito, and that could be something where there's tension. He could beat Naito and there's no tension and Sonata's just going to, you know, be that guy for a moment. You know, however you want to play it, I think Sonata should go over Naito. And like we always say, now should be the time for him. Evil getting the victory over Jeff Cobb, I guess, should have not have surprised me with so many... You know, I guess, you know, with Mark Davis facing Will Ospreay, I thought, you know, you could do Cobb and Ospreay, and I think you could just have a really good match. That's not the direction they decided to go. But I can't see Ospreay losing to Evil. At least I really hope that doesn't happen. Oh, that would be that would be vomit-inducing. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> so you mentioned the Ospreay-Davis match is by far the best match of the first round so yes. far. And it's an interesting point with Goto in that. Second round. To me. Uh, or I guess, yeah, second round. So far, best match so far in the tournament. Uh, Goto and Fletcher, I thought for sure Fletcher was going to win to put even more heat on the eventual Aussie Open Bishamon tag yes. title match after yes. Fletcher beat Yoshihashi. To me, that means one of two things. Either your point about Goto maybe going a little bit further in this tournament and factoring in near the final is going to happen, or Goto beat Fletcher so that then Fletcher beating Goto uh, to win the tag titles in that tag title match, meaning Fletcher getting the direct pinfall over Goto, you know, is him overcoming something rather than him just beating Goto again. But that that was an eye-opening result. Maybe uh, kind of low-key the most eye-opening result of the uh, the second round so far after uh, after Fletcher beat, uh, uh, beat Yoshihashi. Well, especially if you think Goto and Yoshihashi aren't long-term for that title anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like for Goto to get that win and then exactly in the way you described it to turn it around, that would make sense, you know, because they can still stay in the mix and chase the titles and be, you know, there. Cause they have a lot of heel teams in these stables, you know, that they could be utilized against. So yeah, you know, Tongo, that's the one thing watching during this. It's kind of like with Finley too. It's like at one point Tonga was that cool. You know what I mean? If you wanted to pull a trigger and, and get him, and keep him at a certain level. I don't know if he has that now, even though he's still a cooler, older statesman. With Finley, you know, kind of, again, not to double back to him, it's like, well, we'll see if you're this cool. You know, you know, Juice Robinson was far more magnetic for as much as people think he's a goof or a goon or all that. It was hard to take your eyes off of him. He demanded attention. You know, can Finley do that? What We're, we're certainly going to see. 
Yeah, it's yeah, the Finley thing is fascinating to me because again, to me, he just he has too much and Juice did as well. And I think that was part of the problem with him ever being more than like a second in command in Bullet Club. They just have too much of that mid Carters for so long thing. Whereas uh, you know, you think about when Kenny Omega took over from uh, uh, AJ Styles as the Bullet Club leader, moving up from junior heavyweight to heavyweight, hadn't been beaten a million times. Or you think of Jay White coming back from excursion as a brand new character. And then, you know, the whole like him being in chaos, but an uneasy alliance and then him taking over Bullet Club. Like those were guys that had been relatively protected or were new and fresh, whereas David Finley has just been a non-factor for so long. And then he's just back and all of a sudden he's with Gato and we're supposed to buy him as a main eventer. Those are the type of pushes that I always just mentally have a hard time seeing the guy in the spot that they're intending for us to see him as. So yeah, we'll, we'll see, I guess one way to do that, uh, you know, to rectify that or to try to is go that super hard push, give him the, uh, give him the win in the tournament, have him come close to beating, uh, Okada, but even then, you know, I just I don't know if I'll get there. Uh, the only other thing I've got in terms of th- this tour is, you know, we're we're heading toward the end of the tour, New Japan Cup final. The other major match on the show, which we mentioned last week, the only match announced for that show is Hiromu Takahashi and Leo Rush for the junior heavyweight title. Such an exciting match on paper, such dynamic personalities, just kinetic guys, both in ring and promos, all of it. I'm so happy that they have this tour almost every night to be wrestling each other in multi-man matches because you can see the potential of how good this this match is going to be. You can also see where not everything has clicked right away, particularly early on in the tour, and then as we work our way through. And there's a very high likelihood that they will have worked out all the kinks by the time we get to the 21st. We're going to have an incredible junior title match that maybe if it was just a one-off, and they didn't have these interactions before, it wouldn't necessarily be quite as good. I love Leo Rush. I love Leo Rush in New Japan. Oh, God, he's so good. And he and Hiromu are perfect. I Again, I don't know what six weeks, I don't know how long Leo Rush is tied in with them, you know, when it comes from tour to tour or whatever. I know he's in demand all over the place. I know he's probably going to be all over the place in L.A. during WrestleMania weekend coming up here in, you know, three weeks or so. So, But whatever happens after that, man, I, I don't look. He's not going to win the title. I don't believe he's going to win the title. But if he did win the title, uh, it's not going to hurt my feelings at all. I, I think they have – I don't know. Actually, you know what? Look, if Leo Rush could win that damn title, Rome has won it 938 times. He could always win it back a couple of months from now. What does it hurt? I, 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 you know, watching Leo Rush carry that title to Rev Pro where he's been wrestling, you know, as well, which is a partner, you know, him all over the place with that title, not the worst idea in the world, not a bad ambassador to have, and then have Hiromu chasing it or, or being able to play that for other promotions. I, Not the worst idea in the world to me, but I'm also fantasy booking what I want out of New Japan. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I I don't necessarily expect it to happen, but I would love to see Leo Rush get a short run uh, with the junior title. I mean, who knows, particularly with all the rumblings that New Japan themselves have been putting out about doing an all-star junior festival in the United States. 
that wouldn't be a he certainly wouldn't be a bad face for that. You talk about fantasy booking things out. I'd love to see Leo Rush win the title here, go through, have a great performance in the best of the Super Junior Tournament, not win it, have Yo defeat Hiromu or El Desperado in the finals of the best of the Super Junior this year, and then have Yo defeat his tag team partner, Leo Rush, to finally win the Junior Heavyweight title. It's wild, man. It's wild. I know it's also wild if you really think about it, even though there are some tedious relationships when you think about a American run all Japan or American run New Japan All Star Junior, I mean, again, Blake Blake Christian can represent GCW. Nick Wayne can represent. I mean, there are so many names and so many people that are already tied in because they work strong, or they have a relationship with somebody that's got a relationship with. With New Japan, I mean, it's great. I, it really is. How about Darby Allen? Give me some Darby Allen, Hiromu Takahashi interaction on an All-Star Junior Festival show. Filthy Tom Lawler. There you go. We talked about it last week. He, he knows how the scales work. He was in the UFC. I fully, I, I could see some great video packages of Tom wearing like 18 layers of hefty garbage bags in a sauna getting himself to that 100 kilogram limit bro first round against lindeman oh my god oh my god <laughs> what i want to see though this would take more than just sauna time it would have to be a sauna combined <laughs> with a tanning bed i want to see how committed filthy tom is i want to see him face to face the exact same shade of tan as l lindeman <laughs> You know, they, they if they can book this thing to happen in maybe August or something, because at least he's out there in Vegas, you know, you can give him some time in the sun. Maybe he's got to travel south to Arizona and tie himself onto the rocks where the snakes were like superstar Billy Graham and the tarantulas crawling on his head so he can get that deep tan that you can only get, uh, hopefully without skin cancer later on down the line. Yes, yes. Maybe you could just go the MJF route and just liberally apply uh, the spray tan. That, <laughs> yes, uh, in several different colors and layers. Yes, yes, exactly. It could be like a, a color palette from like a paint store or something. Uh, the only the only other thing I have that I just briefly bring up, and you kind of reference it at the start of the show, the opposite end of the spectrum as far as retirement roads go. Pro Wrestling Noah, a couple days ago, uh, the sad retirement, although he certainly did not seem sad and you know, kept a smile on his face. And he seems over the the months since this has been building up is something he would have to do. I guess he's come to terms with it. But Daisuke Harada, you hear the name or the phrase, I should say, underrated wrestler thrown around. To me, he's got to be the most underrated wrestler of the last five, six years, if not longer. Going back to uh, his, his pre-Noah time. Daisuke Harada wrestled a 60-second match where he hit all of his major spots, his big spots, didn't take any bumps, as he shouldn't, considering that he has a serious neck injury. But Daisuke Harada retired with a match against his longtime partner and opponent, Atsushi Katoge. Very, very well done, you know, ceremony, if you want to call it that. And hopefully the guy can stay involved in wrestling. But damn, what a what a loss. Because he's just, you talk about smooth wrestlers who are just mechanically perfect at every single thing they do. Daisuke Hirata is a guy that deserved to have a longer career and have more eyes on said career. Yeah. You know, he's one of those guys that like, 
for me, like a Ricky Marvin. Like, as it was going on, I didn't give him enough credit. I didn't give him enough flowers. And they're two different types of wrestlers, but it's the same sort of mentality where I took the dude for granted too much. And, you know, he was a guy that a lot of people, they were able to watch him kind of come up through his career with Osaka Pro. And then, you know, he joins Noah. And that was the thing, unfortunately, blessing and a curse because he had some great moments in Noah and had some great matches in Noah. But the problem was it's Noah. And, and that was the the problem with trying to claw and scratch for attention. And, you know, it sucks. It, you know, it, it didn't seem like all that long ago, but it was August, you know, the last time that he wrestled and, you know, when the, you know, it came out, it was like, well, that can't be good. You know, seeing that, okay, there's an announcement of a press conference and it wasn't, and he was able to go out there and have that minute exhibition. But yeah, he's a guy that unfortunately, like you mentioned, you know, he, people are going to go back and look at him and go, damn, why didn't people talk about him more? What if, what if he could have done this? What if he was in new Japan? What if he could have faced this person or gotten to the States more or, or something, you know, or gone heavyweight. They tease the idea of him going, going heavyweight. heavyweight. Yeah. God, you think about the guys he could have had matches with in Noah right now at heavyweight versus junior heavyweight. How great that would have been. Well, yeah, and that was the thing too. I mean, he just, but they just didn't. I mean, how many times did he hold the junior heavyweight and junior tag titles? Yeah, you know? I mean, it's got to be four, five, six of each of them. Yeah. You kind of lose track with the uh, the USWA Southern title level uh, title changes, I feel like, that we see in Seriously. that division. Well, I mean, it's like, yeah, and it's like, and that's, you know, it's a shame with all divisions. I mean, look, who's who's got more Triple Crown championship reigns than anybody? Suama, right? It's, it's Suama. And, like, and I think if you if you held a gun to people's head and go, okay, well, who is it? They're going to pull a name out of the past. They're not even going to realize it's Suwama. Yeah, they'd say Misawa, or they may even say Jumbo. Jumbo you know, or something, like yeah. So it just, it's it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy because looking back, you know, when I was doing the wrestling news and doing the retirement, it's like 2002 was 20 years ago. He was yeah. wrestling for 20 years. It just it didn't seem like that long, but it's like, damn, you know, there's 20 years of Harada, you know, yeah. if, I, if I had the time, I should probably go back and watch just because I didn't take it. I took him too much for granted. Yeah, no, totally. And it's a shame, too. Like you talk about comparables to me when I see him and I see that he had to retire, uh, you know, and you see that it just it makes you sad because you think if he'd been able to stay healthy, he'd be Yoshinobu Kanemaru. He'd be wrestling 15 years from now, whatever, in his late 40s, early 50s. And he'd be the exact same wrestler. I mean that in a positive way. If he had stayed healthy, he'd be every bit as good as he is right now. Just like Kanemaru, he's a guy who's just kind of underappreciated, hasn't lost anything. Uh, you know, it's it's a shame that Harada wasn't able to have that. But I'm glad he was able to have that send-off. I'm glad, he said, if you watch that, he sure as hell looks like he's come to terms with what it is. And, you know, you'd like to think that Pro Wrestling Noah will have a spot for him at some, you know, some level in the front office or whatever uh going forward i am so happy kanamaru had a spot in new japan I yes am so happy he was it was like the it was he was the same but different <laughs> i yes. don't know the environment obviously mattered if you're not hanging around maybach i guess i don't know it just it sort of helped even in the goofy group he's in but you know 
That's enough of that. I mean, how how close were we? How close are we right now? Let me see here. What does the clock read? This is only interesting to Adam and I. (laughs) 71 minutes. There you go. Yeah, we said we were going to do an hour. We thought this was going to be an hour show. Usually when we say that, it's two hours and 10 minutes. So I think by our standards, Mike, we've done a very good job of keeping ourselves in check. We should careen towards closing this out. As always, you can hear both Mike and I in other platforms as well. You can hear me with my close longtime personal friend, Jeremy Deemer on the Wrestling at Random podcast, wrestlingatrandom.com or search Wrestling at Random wherever you get your podcasts. We have new episodes that go up every Sunday at 6 p.m. Central for free. And coming up on this week's show, we have an episode of Stampede Wrestling from 1989. Last week's show, we reviewed Survivor Series 2000, of all things, which if you've ever wondered if the randomizer is legitimately picking things at random, there's no way in hell we'd choose to watch Survivor Series 2000 otherwise. Uh, So that's on the free feed, WrestlingAtRandom.com. And then we also have a Patreon, Patreon.com slash WrestlingAtRandom, where there's always new stuff going up there every Thursday. Uh, for supporters over on our Patreon. And the one that's going up this week, it's another intentionalized patron-requested show where we review AWA Super Clash 3. Oh, no. The whole show? The whole <laughs> show. When I we love say, it. When we say that if you subscribe to our Patreon... And you subscribe to the tier (laughs) where you can choose a show for us to watch. We say the only requirement is that it must be at least 10 years old. Otherwise, we will watch anything. If there's a video file that we can access, we will watch it. We are not lying. The entire Super Clash 3 show from the UIC Pavilion. If you know, you know. Oh, brother, man, I'm going to join up to that tier because, boy, do I have some things for you. Uh, I, I do. <laughs> I, I, man, I got some stuff. Plus, I need to return a favor to uh, Jeremy Deemer, who's becoming my longtime personal friend as well, too. Uh, joined over there at the uh, the Mid-Atlantic Patreon. Mid-Atlantic, <laughs> patreon.com slash Mid-Atlantic Podcast. I love killing my own plug right off the bat. But you know what? I've done a lot of talking here in the last week or so. I mean, a ton of talking. I've done stuff for the Patreon, like the Wahoo McDaniel Super Chief. Uh, Wahoo McDaniel made the American Indian a first-class citizen four-hour audio documentary taking you back as far back as 1975, leading you through 1985, and Wahoo McDaniel's long, 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 in my opinion, awaited heel turn, but it was definitely a a work in progress. Screwed over many times by the NWA. He finally has enough and his big turn in 84. There's a shoulder companion piece as well, too, that I have written. There's a ton of stuff over there at the Patreon. Old programs, old videos, writings, all sorts of stuff over there. Plus, there is the regular podcast as well, too, which you can hear first over at the Patreon. But the Mid-Atlantic Championship podcast, uh, we go through one week in wrestling history on the network. All the Mid-Atlantic shows that are up there, or in the case of this week, Mid-Atlantic shows that are not up there. But 
I have a VCR or I have a DVD. Uh, I have a VHS or a DVD edition of them. In this case, it's a DVD edition of February 19th. 1983 the road to greensboro gets a little bit closer so i review that show uh which again is not on the network and you miss out on seeing ricky morton make his debut uh teaming up in a match with frank monty against dory funk jr and dick slater and you see how you put over a young guy who's brand new in one night uh, Ricky Morton, who just does an incredible job. He was already quite well-seasoned leading into that anyway, time in Southwest and in Tri-State and all those places. But it, it's, again, it's a, if you love old wrestling, if you love good audio, trust me, midatlanticpod.com. The Patreon is patreon.com slash Podcast. Bulls in the China shop. I do that for the Black Wrestling Podcast. I do that about 10 to 14 days or so, just all depending on schedules. You can check that out over there. And, of course, Wrestling Observer Live and the Wrestling News every single day. Just go to f4wonline.com slash wrestlingobserver.com and then, of course, to the wrestlingnews.com to find out about those two programs. And, And I'm all talked out. (laughs) <laughs> same here i think with that uh, as your text message said to me in error you said you were feeling raspy before <laughs> we started recording my brain is raspy right now so we should close it out oh uh, yeah yeah the adam and mike big audio nightmare we shall be returning soon